Hello and welcome to Lore Talks More and I'm your host Lore and okay we have a lot to talk about today. Oh my goodness so much news happening plus a lot going on in the shows that I watched this week so let's get started jump right in because this might be a long episode. Okay So we're going to just start from the top with all of the news, pop culture type things going on. Okay, so let me kind of pick and choose ones that I think will go quicker because some of these might take a little while. Um, Just some kind of couple updates, if you will. Uh, Sadly, uh, Danielle and Michael from Bachelor in Paradise broke up, which I was so sad to see because they met on Bachelor in Paradise and they both are basically widows. Michael's wife and mother of his son passed away, I think from cancer maybe or something. And then that was prior to him going on like the Bachelor franchise, obviously. And then Danielle, I believe she was engaged like it was her fiance, um, maybe had like a drug, a battle with drugs or I I could be getting that wrong, but they really connected because they each had a significant other in their life pass away. And then like dealing from that trauma and like how difficult it is to, you know, open up to someone new, fully like give yourself to someone after something like that happens. And they seemed like such a good match. And, um, I think they, I don't know if they moved in together, but they like, I think Danielle moved to where Michael and his son live, I think, which was in Ohio. Uh, But yeah, it was announced that they have broken up, which is sad, but you know, that's just how it goes. Um, A quick little Sandoval and Rachel update. It was her birthday recently and Sandoval commented on like an Instagram post of hers and said like I wish you the best friend hope you're doing well yeah and Rachel screenshots it and then like screenshots his um Instagram page showing where she blocked him and then was like just said like blocked and put an x through his face (laughs) which is just so petty and funny and then like he comes back and says oh well she's just thirsty and it's like can you guys just stop? Like, uh, yeah, it was super petty. Like I was living for Rachel blocking him and letting us know that she blocked him. Like good for you. She wants to make it known that she wants to have nothing to do with him as she should, considering he recorded her on the FaceTime without her consent. So it's like, goodbye. Uh, and he just can't help himself, which by the way, spoiler alert, If you're a Masked Singer fan, skip ahead like 30 seconds because Sandoval is rumored to be on the upcoming season of The Masked Singer, but I heard he gets out really fast, probably because he can't actually sing. So, (laughs) okay, moving on to Carl and Lindsay then. This is the last cup. Oh, no, not the last one. Sorry. Um. But Carl and Lindsay, as we know, they broke up. Carl called off the wedding. And then Carl sent like an email, I think, to all of their wedding guests being like, yeah, sorry. You know, this is a trying time. It's 
Lindsay's having a hard time with it. I'm heartbroken, yada, yada. But hey, you could still go to Mexico and have a vacation because like it, their wedding is in Mexico and everyone's already paid and like booked their ticket, you know, plane tickets, hotel, all that stuff. So it was really bizarre. But then Lindsay commented and was like, that was not a statement from us. I had no idea that that was going out. I did not approve that. And then she ended up like a couple days later, I think, posted on Instagram like her own little statement as far as what has happened. And she said a lot in there. So if you're interested, you can go to her Instagram page and read the whole thing. But when I read through it, I could just feel her pain. Like I felt so bad for her. And I am not a Lindsay like Stan. I mean, she makes great reality TV, but she's definitely one of those people that like I don't connect with because I would never act the way that she acts and like how she gets activated and all of that. But reading her thoughts on the breakup, it's like I feel like most women can relate to that. Just having like some guy pull the rug out from under you and just how devastating it can be, especially in her situation. You know, they were very close to getting married and it's embarrassing, it's heartbreaking, and she's older, and she was ready to, like, get married and have kids, and she thought that, like, she was gonna finally get her dream of having this family, because, you know, she doesn't have the best relationship with her family, so she wants to create her own, and then he just, you know, pulled the rug out from under her, and it's so heartbreaking, but... I hope she'll come out of it thriving and we definitely need like a single ladies show on Bravo. Like pull together all of the women we love, a lot of VPR women, but like, um, you know, pulling in Lindsay and like Ashley Darby and just all of these women in the Bravo universe who keep getting, you know, fucked over by these men. Give them their own show. Let's see them thrive. Okay, and then I am very, very happy for this next one because I love the challenge and I have always loved Nani and Casey together as a couple and I have been waiting. Like I will randomly go and check. There are a few uh, like celebrity, quote unquote, celebrity couples Um, more so my reality TV couples that I check in on and make sure that they're still together because I don't want them to break up. And I think I've talked about this before, like Zach and Taysha were one, but now Taysha is with Luke and I am here for that, but I need to get them on my TV screen so I can watch them. But, um, another one is Polly D and Nikki. Um, but another one is Nani and Casey. They are ones that like when we're watching the challenge and one of them pops up, like I go to their Instagram and look them up and make sure that they're still together because I love them together. Well, they are engaged and it's so sweet. They had like, they posted like the engagement photo and I was bawling. My husband looked over and was like, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm just so happy for them. And then you get to the very end of the video and you find out that Nani was actually the one that proposed to Casey, which kind of goes against like what you would stereotypically think based on how they look, which is dumb. I know, but you know, Nani ended the video Um, like the post saying like, I bet you didn't expect that ending. So it was really sweet and I'm so happy for them. And then I guess kind of couple news is Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are reportedly dating. 
Um, cause you know, he, did he slide into her he DMs? He said something like he made it known that he was interested in her, but I don't know if she's ever dated a, an athlete. Has she? She usually goes for like musicians more so, right? Or regular dudes, people more in like the music industry, not athletes. So I'm kind of here for this. Like I, and Travis is like, has no problem. You know, he had his own reality TV show. Uh, where it was like to catch a Kelsey or something like that. It was like a dating show and I've heard he regrets it or whatever, but he obviously doesn't have that much issue with like his relationship stuff being public. And obviously everyone always knows Taylor Swift's relationship. So um, I don't know. I don't think this would be like a long-term match, but I think this is like a fun little fling for the two of them. And so I'm here for whatever kind of information um, whatever kind of like paparazzi photos we get from this uh, situationship. And then also, more importantly, is that Taylor Swift was spotted with Sophie Turner. They were like arm in arm walking together. Now, Sophie Turner is Joe Jonas's soon to be ex wife, who, as you know, Joe Jonas dated Taylor Swift and then she wrote. Basically, you know, the thing going around is that Taylor Swift wrote specifically a breakup song that is has to do with her breakup with Joe Jonas. And now Sophie is in the unique um, position where she gets to listen or she can listen to a breakup song that is literally written about the guy that she is currently breaking up with. So I'm just here for that woman power, like the two of them together. I bet Joe Jonas is like shaking in his booties as he should, because he's trying to paint Sophie as like a bad mom and he's taking care of the kids. And that is just not like what's going on. Like he says, she likes to party, but Joe is the one that likes to party. And the him like being the sole caretaker of their children right now was something that they agreed upon because Sophie is like in a different country filming. Uh, I don't even know what she's filming, but she's like on a set filming, working long hours. So it makes sense for their kids to stay like in their home where they live and have Joe take care of them while Sophie is filming. But also uh, Joe is on tour. So like, I'm sure the nannies are the one that are actually taking care of those kids. So like... Get out of here with that nonsense, Joe Jonas. Like, we believe women, okay? We don't believe dirtbag men sliding into Gigi Hadid's DMs when she's 13. Get out of here. Anyway, um, okay, that is all of the coupley news. Oh, well, I guess kind of. Uh, just a real quick mention that I was watching American Ninja Warrior this week, and it was like couples edition. So it's like all of the um, couples that both most of them were like they both compete American Ninja Warrior I think there was maybe one that like was an is an athlete like her husband's an athlete but not American Ninja Warrior so they kind of like did it where they run the course together and then like the couple who wins um gets $25,000 in a trophy but the point I wanted to make about them is that these couples are weird a lot of them are just like so weird together and I've really picked up on that American Ninja Warrior feels very cult-like, which I know sounds hypocritical coming from a Peloton-obsessed member because, yes, Peloton is cult-like too. I totally get it. If I was fit enough to be doing American Ninja Warrior, I would 
totally buy into the whole cult, but like some of these people are just like weirdos to me. And I'm like, okay, um, I can't, I don't, it's hard for me to watch them together as a couple. Cause they're, yeah, it's just weird anyway. <laughs> um, but speaking of like Peloton, there is something happening with Peloton and Oprah. So she was spotted at the, um, Peloton Studios and I believe she was spotted like maybe taking a doing something with Jess King I believe um but we're not really sure what it is so that has not come out yet so I'm curious to see what happens with that because like if Oprah is going to partner with Peloton with something that's going to get a lot more eyes I think on Peloton um so hopefully that ends up being like a good a good thing but I'm definitely curious to see what that is about because I can't picture like Oprah on a Peloton bike <laughs> could you picture like Oprah doing a Cody class and he's like shake your titties and she's like what <laughs> uh but yeah we'll we'll see we'll see what transpires with that um then oh there is a new challenge the challenge on MTV called Legends Will Fall coming up uh, and I think it's going to premiere in October, maybe. Um, so there's the Challenge USA that's happening right now on CBS, which is kind of like a spinoff of the challenge. But, you know, TJ still hosts it and there's still a lot of like actual, well, not a lot now. It's like the vets on there, but um, they're going to have like an actual The Challenge season on MTV and it's the whole theme is like legends will fall like a new a new one will rise and then I also think I saw I didn't want to click on it because I don't want spoilers like um I don't mind knowing things for most shows but the but the challenge and survivor are two like I don't want to get spoiled on so I saw something about all-stars season four which is the iteration of the challenge that streams on paramount plus and um i i saw like a tweet about it and i didn't click on it because i'm like oh i'm afraid to click on it and there will be a spoiler um uh, but i was hoping maybe it would just be like cast listening so i just saw rumblings of a new season of that i'm not sure when it's gonna come out yet but a lot of challenges happening right now which I love because I love the challenge uh okay so my sister shout out to her hooked me up with HBO Max I'm not gonna say how she hooked me up but she has provided it to me so now I'm able to watch the West Wing with my husband which has become our uh like post DVR show so when we've worked through all of our current shows that we have DVR'd then we watch the West Wing and I mean we've already gone through mm, I think maybe we watched like episode nine of the first season last night so we're we're working our way through and at first he kind of rolled his eyes at me like oh you're gonna make me watch this but I can tell he's definitely getting into it which I knew he would like the first episode he laughed a lot he's laughed like a lot throughout it um, so I'm hoping he's going to love it as much as I do, but I just love that show so freaking much. I watched it so many times. Um, some things are pretty outdated, which is funny to see now, like watching it back. But I know I watched the last time I watched it was in 2020, I think, cause there was, there's an episode, um, 
that really hit home during COVID. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, we're actually living this right now. What's happening on the show basically. Uh, but yeah, the, the show is so good. It is so smart. Like I wish that I could be as smart as the characters on the West wing, like to have your brain work that fast. Like, I think I'm a smart person. Like I'm intelligent. I can usually catch on to things pretty quickly. Like when I did take my, I took a political science class in college and I actually really liked it and did really well. Like I was expecting to not understand anything. And surprisingly, I felt like I did understand a lot and enjoyed it. So I think that like, if that was my job, if that was my main focus, I could have done well in a career like that. But like, I'm not the type of person who, um, love like lives to work like I work because I have bills to pay (laughs) um and so like I I have a job that I'm good at and pays well and that's all there is to it but if I had a different kind of life like if I didn't want like a family like or my free time then going into politics sounds like super appealing to me like I sometimes I wish I could just have like a parallel life where I could be in politics because I think that I would really enjoy it but um with the life that I actually like want that wouldn't suit me because I like to lay in bed and watch tv too much and hang out with my family (laughs) But then also, once I realized, I'm like, oh, okay, I have, I can watch all the stuff on HBO Max now. And they had been rolling out like several things that I wanted to watch, but couldn't because I didn't have it. So now I'm trying to go back through and like figure out, okay, what all is on here that I wanted to watch in the past and catch up on? Um, one of them being the Bama Rush doc, which is a documentary on like rushing sororities um, at Alabama. Um, And I don't know what I was expecting because, you know, the like rush tick, the rush talk. So like girls rushing sororities blew up on TikTok and it's like a whole like subset of TikTok, which I'm not on there really. I don't, I mean, I have it and I'll occasionally watch them, but I'm not like, I don't just go on TikTok on a daily basis, like maybe once a month. Usually I only get on there when someone sends me a TikTok they want me to watch and then I'll go or like one gets referenced and then I'll go look it up. But yes, I'm one of those millennials that I prefer to watch my TikToks as Instagram reels. But I was watching it and I like bawled throughout the entire thing. Like this is kind of when it really became apparent to me that I am older now (laughs) and I am a mom. And all I wanted to do was scoop up all these little sorority babies and give them hugs and tell them that they were enough, like they are good enough and they don't need to do all this extra stuff. And it was just, there were so many parts of it that were heartbreaking. And the like film director is a woman with alopecia. And I really loved that we got her, um, perception of what was happening, like as it was happening. So it was like a documentary about these girls rushing sororities, but then we also got the director's perspective and it was just, it was really good. I I could not stop crying. I was like, what is wrong with me? But I definitely recommend it. It was a good, a good watch. And it was like an hour and a half, you know, it wasn't super long. Um, okay. And then the final, uh, pop culture 
news for this week is, of course, Shannon Bedore getting arrested for a DUI in hit and run after hitting a house in Newport Beach. Now, we know that Shannon has an interesting relationship to alcohol, okay? Like, I don't think you should ever call someone else an alcoholic because you don't know, you don't know, ever know the full story, especially like someone on, you know, a celebrity, not like someone in your real life. But so I'm not going to say that Shannon's an alcoholic, but we have seen in the past on the show, Shannon's drinking behaviors and it's not great. And I think that this is a huge wake up call for her. So basically what happened is on Saturday night, um, she was leaving John Jansen's house, going home to her house, and she ended up like hitting a house, like clipped it, and then just kept driving and then parked her car in the middle of the street and got out with Archie, her dog. Poor little Archie was in the car with her and then was like walking around and the police had gotten called and you know they stopped her and she pretended that she was just out for a walk like oh I don't know what you're talking about but um they said like clearly she was intoxicated they have like the um security camera footage from the neighbor's house showing her hitting the house like we have the actual footage of her car hitting the other that house Um, and now it is rumored that she is going to be going into rehab and she's taking full accountability and is prepared for whatever consequences come from like the court case and all of that. So it is to be determined whether or not like her going to rehab and taking accountability is because she actually believes she needs to, or because she understands it's the best route to get like the least amount of charges and all of that. Um, I don't know what this means for her on The Real Housewives of Orange County. Like, will she be on next season? The reunion for the current season has already been filmed. So we're going to have to wait a while, more than likely, um, to find out what is going to happen. If we're going to get any of that on the next season. Um, If she is on the next season, how open is she going to be? Like, I would love for her to come back on the show. And just take full accountability and say, now that I've been through rehab, I realize that I have said and done a lot of horrible things on this show uh, from being too drunk. Take accountability, own up to all the shitty things that you have done, and then move on. However, I don't know if I want to see a sober Shannon on the show because when We get scenes of Shannon and she's sober. She is like sucking the life out of the room. She is no fun. She's like a wet blanket. You know, she complains all the time. She's just like, wah, wah. And so, I mean, I don't, I think it's going to be good for her to get sober and all that. But I don't know if she's going to be, you know, going to make good reality TV after she gets sober if she does. So, all that's to be determined, but whoo, that was that was an interesting uh notification to get when that popped up that she was arrested. Like, oh my gosh. Okay, so I believe that is all of the pop culture news. So I'm just gonna go through quick. And there are there are a couple shows that I have a lot of notes on, and then a few that are just real quick ones. So 
Let me just get through the real quick ones. Um, one of them being Jersey Shore. You know, Jersey Shore is more just like a light, um, a light watch for me. You know, it's it's just fun. Um, basically, this episode is, um, of course, salient. Oh gosh, I can't talk. Surrounded around Angelina drama, as it always is. Um, Mike, the situation is offering up his services to be the investigation to help Angelina find her father because Angelina just recently found out that her father that she thought was hers was not actually her biological father. And that just like really kind of explained a lot of how she was treated in her childhood because now she realizes that wasn't like my actual dad. So she wants to find her dad, and Mike said that he would help. Um, And so he calls it law and shorter. He's like, this is law and shorter, and I'm the investigation. Oh, Mike is so funny. Um, And then we get um, Polly's DJ show. I think they were in Atlantic City. Dina was dancing on the DJ table, and she falls down, which is just funny. Um, and then after that, it's Lauren's like opening for her like boutique. She has like a little boutique or something. I don't know, uh, a store, something. And Angelina shows up for it. And none of the other, no one else on the cast shows up for this. It was supposed to be, it was a woman. Oh, what was it for? It was something related to women. I honestly can't remember what this business is, but it makes sense that like the um the men weren't there, but like the other women women on the show should have shown up for Lauren, but they didn't. They had like uh Dina had a dentist appointment for her children, and my husband was like, "What? She can't just move those appointments?" And I was like, "No, she can't." Like, do you know how hard it is to get into the dentist? Like he wouldn't know because he's not the one making the appointments for um our son but recently i was sick and had to miss my dentist appointment and then it was going to be 2 months before i could get back in and luckily they got me in sooner they put me on like the cancellation list but like getting into the dentist office is not easy and like doctors in general sometimes it depends on like what kind of doctor but yeah, like I don't blame her. I don't blame Dina for not wanting to try and move those appointments. Like, yeah, you got to go to those. Um, and then so all of the women end up coming to Snooky's house, I think, for a charcuterie board party, which I totally want to go to. Like, I want to have one of those myself. Um, and I don't even need anyone else to be there. Like, it could just be me, and I'm gonna make a bunch of charcuterie boards you know, like a dessert one, a pizza one, whatever it is. I just uh, want a bunch of those and I'll just eat all the food by myself. <laughs> um, but it, the episode ends with all the women sitting around and they're fighting and basically they're just all done with Angelina because what happened is at the party, Angelina was like, how come no one else is here? And Mike was like, yeah, you know, he agreed with her, but of course, in true Mike fashion, he goes and tells uh, Jenny, like, oh yeah, Angelina was trying to stir up drama by calling you guys out for not being there, even though he agreed with it. So then they call Mike and he was like, yeah, like you, yeah, Angelina was stirring shit up. And Angelina's like, Mike, you agreed with me. And he was like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so they got into a huge fight and I'm not really sure where they go from here because they, 
it's just always drama with Angelina. Like, I don't know how they get past this. Like, but I did like that Sammy was just jumping right in. It was like no time had passed with Sammy and the group because she had no problem just like fighting back and getting into it. And I just, I loved that energy for her. Okay, and then the other one I was going to talk about, I think, quickly was the challenge. So I know, like, the challenge is one of my favorite shows. I should talk about it more. However, this particular week when we were watching, the first half of the show, I was eating pizza. So I was just, like, laying in bed, living my best life, eating pizza, watching the challenge. So I didn't take as many notes. And then the second half of the episode, I was eating ice cream. So listen, I love my reality TV and I want to talk about it, but also food does come first. And when I'm hungry, I need to eat. So um, basically in that episode, which now we're only down to one episode a week. I don't know why the first like two weeks we had two episodes, but the last two weeks, we've only had an episode on Thursday night. So this is just one episode. Um, so the challenge for this episode was they had to jump on these trampolines and then see numbers and then do something with the numbers. I couldn't figure out what they even had to do because, you know, I never paid attention to the rules. But usually I can figure it out as they go along. But this is one. It was like they kept coming back with a number and then TJ would say, like, that's right or wrong. And I'm like... Okay, so they had to do that in the first round and then like the top however many people, I think it was like three women, three men, um, go to the second round. And then the second round was them jumping up for flags on a moving semi. And why did they think that this was a good idea? Because Tori was like one of, was the second person to go, I think. And she jumps up. So like you're jumping on a little trampoline and then you're jumping up in the air. But as you're jumping up in the air to like try and grab these flags, the semi that the trampoline is on is still moving. So when you land, you're not going to land where you started from. And like Tori landed on her back oh my gosh, like on the side of the trampoline and it just looks so painful. And I was like, this seems super dangerous. Like who vetted this challenge? Because I think that maybe you shouldn't have done it this way. Like, uh, okay. But anyway, so um, the winners of that challenge were Tori and Fessy. So Tori is now one, like this is the second week of individuals. And so this is her second time um, winning. So she is just on fire right now. And they decide to vote Cassidy and Kristen. So they vote in two survivor players. And then once they find out, once the house finds out that Cassidy and Chris are the two going in, then Sebastian is campaigning to get um, Corey as the house vote. Now, Chris goes on a spiral. So Chris is up for elimination and he is trying to get a girl to go in so that he doesn't even have to go into elimination, right? So he wants to put Michelle in, but he it's like he keeps going back on his word. He's like doing too much. Basically, he's in that panic mode where you do way too much and then you like shoot yourself in the foot, basically. Um, and then Corey is talking to um, Chris, I think. And Corey's just like ranting and it's like a back and forth. He said, she said. So basically, Corey is just saying a bunch of song, 
song lyrics here. So he's like, he said, she said bullshit, which reminded me of Limp Biscuit. And then he said, well, you just got to plant a seed and see which one grows, which reminds me of Umbop. And I'm like, Corey, are you just like pulling song lyrics out your ass right now? Like, are you actually saying anything of value here? Um, so then the house votes and Sebastian gets six votes. Tyler gets five votes. Alyssa gets one vote and then bananas gets a random vote. Um, but it ends up being Sebastian who has to go in. So the elimination is Chris and Sebastian, two survivor players. And the elimination is um, called trick shot. So basically there are these barrels and you have to like line up the barrels and then you go climb up a little tower and then you throw balls down um, and the barrels have like, uh, I don't know, like a little platform on them that you bounce the ball off of. So it's basically you're trying to set up a trick shot. So it bounces off like each little platform and then ends up in the final barrel. And you have to like do it twice. So you have to do it with like three and then you have to add in like two more or whatever it was. Um, and at the end of it, Chris ends up winning. So Sebastian goes home, which is kind of what like they, um, I forget who was wanting it, but you know, Sebastian and Tori were coming up with like a little love connection. And so they wanted to get Sebastian out, like take away Tori's, you know, boo thing and get him out, which they were successful at. So he is now gone. Um, and that is all I have for this episode. And I apologize, but listen, I'm a hungry girl, okay? I needed to eat my pizza and my ice cream, so sometimes I can't take all the notes. But yes. Okay, moving on. All right, let's go ahead and move on to Teen Mom. So this episode, Tyler is still getting his ketamine treatment and therapy. Uh, it's super emotional, him like working through his trauma as a child. Um, and his bond to Caitlin specifically. They are definitely trauma bonded. Um, I don't know if that's the best, but they have so much trauma between the two of them. And I think that's honestly why they are still together. Because no one else is going to really understand all of their mental health uh, struggles other than the two of them. Because they've been through it together since they were like 13. Um. And also, again, Corey is filming the challenge, so Ryder is really missing him. Um, Jade is going to go to Texas to see her mom. Uh, oh my gosh, Stella is so cute. Um, but Stella and Nova are getting ready for like a daddy-daughter dance, and Nova is upset because she doesn't want to share Devoin with Stella. And Stella says to Bree, like, I want my dad to take me even though she hasn't seen him in months. So Bree's like, all right, she calls Lewis and he says he will show up. But like, I am so nervous for little Stellita. Uh, like my stomach literally was having pains because I was anxious, worried that Lewis wasn't going to show up for her daddy daughter dance. Um, And then we get a scene with Leah calling Jalen because she found some family photos that she had in her house. So they're going to meet up. Um, and then Kate goes to visit Ty and they, so Ty's in, uh, I forget where he's at, like LA, maybe doing the ketamine treatment. And so Kate flies out to visit him and they do like a couples therapy session to help Tyler with his trauma. And I was crying. Like I was just crying so much. Um, 
them working it out and like telling each other like you're enough you know and then Jade does therapy with her mom and they we get a little bit of that like of them talking it out but then at some point the therapist kicks the cameras out and they're like okay you know it's time for you guys to leave because we're going to discuss some personal issues and I was just like hand clapping for that because I mean really like your therapy shouldn't be broadcast on national television um and so to me when a therapist is like I'm not gonna allow this to be filmed that to me lets me know that that is a good therapist (laughs) um okay so then Ryder gets to talk to Corey and it's just so sweet like I really loved in this scene you know that Ryder was saying like she was upset that Corey left on her birthday to go to the challenge and how she missed him and Corey was like hey like I'm sad too I miss you too you know and it was just nice for him to like be vulnerable and not just be like it's okay like don't be sad whatever like I don't like that I want to always like okay the feelings of my son so it's like it's okay to be scared it's okay to be sad like whatever you're feeling it's totally normal let's see how we can deal with those emotions then um Oh, and of course, oh, so then we get back to Jade and um, her visiting her mom and her Christy is wearing a like everything's bigger in Texas shirt. And I don't know. It's just funny to me to see her wearing that shirt. Um, And basically she Jade is saying like, this is really hard for her because, you know, Sean went through rehab as well. He's had his addictions and she's like, but Sean is just some guy. My mom is like my biggest heartbreak, like the letdown of what I've experienced with my mom through her addiction is my biggest heartbreak. And that's just, oh, felt so bad for her. Uh, Leah and Jalen meet and it's so awkward, but they keep it cordial. And then we get back to the daddy daughter dance. And again, I'm nauseous and Lewis actually showed up and Devoyne showed up. So I'm like, okay, good. We're off to a good start. Both the dads showed up. They're there for their daughters. But how in the world does Nova look so grown? She looks like a, a little teenager. And I'm like, oh my gosh, no, that's not like little Nova. She just looks so grown up. Stella too in their little cute outfits. Oh. Um, and then Roxanne is, of course, being sympathetic to these baby daddies. She always is sympathetic for the guys. Like if they even show like one little ounce of like try she's like oh they did such a good job so Lewis and Devoin take the girls to the daddy daughter dance and after they get there Nova ends up calling Brie saying that Stella's crying and now I'm gonna cry because Brie's like Brie hears it and you can just see you get like as a mom you can just see that look on her face like I know exactly what she was feeling in that moment and she's like all right I'm gone I'm going to get her right now and then we end the episode with Ty and Kate, and they have, like, a peaceful little date, just the two of them, and it was cute. So uh, it was a, definitely an emotional episode between all of the Ty and Kate um, therapy, talking about his, you know, sexual assault when he was younger and how that comes into play as a father, as his children begin to reach the age that he was when he was assaulted, Um, and then all of the, you know, daddy issues with Brie and her girls. 
Uh, and then Jade and her mom in therapy. And then, you know, Ryder being sad about Corey. It was, it was a tough episode, but um, sometimes it's good to get all those emotions out. Okay, then I wanted to talk about, I think, let's do Real Housewives of Orange County. Okay, so the ladies are in Mexico, and we kind of leave off where they are fighting about Heather selling her house and not telling any of the women at all, and it kind of ends there and they agree to just like kind of move on. And then Shannon ends up opening up and talking about her relationship. Um, and you know, trying to be vulnerable, which I thought was good. Like it's good for Shannon. She's like, okay, let me like express, you know, some of my issues open up a little bit to the women. So it's like a small step in the right direction for her. But then she turns around and she's talking shit about Jen's relationship. And it's like, girl, you have so many problems in your own life, with your own relationship, maybe you should take a step back and stop talking shit about Jen's relationship. Like, you have enough to worry about. Like, back it up. Um, And then it's like, at this point, you know, when Shannon starts talking shit about Jen's relationship, then it turns into Tamara versus Jen again. And, ugh. and then Heather kind of diffuses everything by giving out presents to everyone. It was just like this awkward moment. She's like, here's some presents. <laughs> So then the next day they're at breakfast and Emily ends up apologizing to Heather about being like super drunk at her fireside event. And, you know, Heather is like, okay, I think she accepts it. But in her confessional, she's like, you know, okay, but this is like a pattern of you like always finding something wrong with what I'm doing. But basically Heather, Gina and Emily call a little truce for right now. And all the women go um, riding ATVs out to this Sonota. And so at the Sonota, they have like three different levels of like platforms that you can jump off into the water. And Emily ends up jumping off the highest platform and damn, she hit hard. Oh man, her nose was bleeding, but she was a trooper. She, you know, she was like, whatever. But oh, that looked rough. Um, and then like the rest of the women do a zip line across the water. And then Gina, who is like very afraid of water, decides she's going to try it. And she ends up jumping off the lowest, um, platform, which is like pretty close to the water, but I was still proud of her, but it was funny because she jumps off the platform, hits the water, and then immediately swims to the side and gets out. She's like, uh-uh, let me get right on out of here. But you know, it's a good baby step for her. I was, I was proud of her for Facing her fear and jumping straight into the water. Um, okay, and then Tamara is like shading Jen for wearing like knockoff designers, you know, clothes, bags, whatever. It's like, okay, who cares? I don't know. I am not like a label person. I don't really care that much. I mean, all everything I wear is like Peloton <laughs> anyway, so maybe I do care about labels, but like if someone wants to get like a knockoff, who cares? Like as long as they feel good about it, you know, if they look good in it or it makes them happy, then like, who cares if it's not like the actual brand? Also, if you can get something similar, but for like half the price, if not less, then go for it. That's smart, not stupid, in my opinion. <laughs> um. Okay, so then they are going out for dinner. Vicky shows up. 
And she's, like, crashing the trip now. Gina looks absolutely gorgeous. Gina has just really come into her own with her look and styling and everything. Like, she's finally figured it out. She looks so good. Um, yeah, so they go out to dinner. We've got the Trace Amigas. And Gina's, <laughs> Gina's like, more like Trace Abuelas, which I thought was funny. Um, and if you're not, if you don't speak Spanish, I mean, I don't really speak Spanish, but I took four years of it in high school. So I know some words and abuela is grandma. Um, so she's calling them instead of the three friends, they're the free three grandmas, which except for Shannon, Vicky and Tamara are grandmas. Shannon's not yet, but. And then apparently Heather called Emily Snuffleupagus, Snuffleupagus, whatever you do it. Um, and I had to go and it's like a, is, is Snuffleupagus a, it's not Muppet, it's um, Sesame Street, right? But I had to Google it because I'm like, wait, let me see what this looks like. So like my Google search is so weird, but I had to look it up and. Yeah, it's not good. Like, Heather was trying to say it was good, but, um, okay, it looks like a big mammoth with mixed with an elephant type of animal. So they go to some, like, Cirque du Soleil type thing, and then they, like, come back, and they're playing Truth or Dare, and, of course, Taylor picks Dare, and so she ends up licking both of Emily's nipples, but, like, over the clothes this some sometime, this time, sorry, Last time she actually licked one of the nipples, but I guess licking the other one was too much for her this time. So she did it over the clothes. And then um, Vicky starts talking to Jen about Jen and um, her boyfriend. Why? I can never remember his name. And you know what? I'm not going to remember. I'm not going to look up his name. I'm not even going to try and think about it because who cares? Anyway, um... So Vicky's basically projecting Vicky's choice of men onto Jen. So she, I think she's trying to compare Brooks to Jen's man. I think his name is Ryan, right? Ryan. Okay. So Vicky's basically saying like, I had Brooks and you have Ryan. And obviously Tamara is the one feeding Vicky all of this information about Jen because Jen and Vicky don't know each other. They're not friends. So it's like, how would you even know what her relationship is like? Well, of course, because Tamara's talking shit about Jen to Vicky. So um, everyone, where's the bathings? Oh, okay. So then uh, like the next day... Uh, why did I write light napkin on fire? A napkin lit got lit on fire. Sometimes I take these notes and then I'm like, I have no idea what this was about. <laughs> um, the next day, everyone's, you know, kind of hung over. And Tamara, I think it was Tamara got these bathing suits for everyone. So they're all wearing these bathing suits where it looks like men. So it looks like you have a hairy chest and then you have on shorts, but you're in like a one piece swimming suit. And then... um. I do feel bad because Shan at this point they're talking about like John saying that Shannon's gained weight, you know, and like maybe she's not as attractive and I just feel bad for her like uh then they do water aerobics which was funny. They were like getting into it. Um and then Heather said Snuffleupagus was her best friend. Um, and then they're also trying to like say, oh, maybe it's like Sasquatch, but Tamara cannot say Sasquatch. 
I think, okay, how did she say it? Let me think of this. I say it, Sasquatch. And Tamara kept saying, Sasquatch. Sasquatch. <laughs> I think that's how she was saying it. It was like, she just could not say that word. Um, uh, then Vicky brought up Tamara or Steve's penis, but called it a wee-wee. I don't know. Steve is her ex. And then... Gina finally, like, talks to Jen and is like, why do you not get upset with all these women talking about your relationship? Like, anytime the women start bringing up, like, when Vicky was talking about it the previous night, Jen just, like, sits there in silence, really. She doesn't ever defend herself or get mad. And Gina's like, get mad, girl. Like, I would be upset if people were talking like this about my relationship. So Jen starts talking to Vicky about it and she's like, you know, you haven't been here to like hear everything that's happened. And Vicky's like, yeah, I know I got fired, (laughs) which is just so funny and like a breaking the fourth wall. She's like, I haven't been here filming because Bravo fired me (laughs) and now she's back. But um, then at this point, Tamara admits like she's the one telling Vicky all this information. And that's why Vicky has this opinion, which basically just means it's Tamara's opinion. And then Tamara ends up asking a baited question to Jen. And Jen says, Tamara, like she calls, you know, Jen calls Tamara out for that. And is like, just ask what you want to ask. Stop asking baited questions. And then Jen says that Tamara asked for the receipts from the girl that Ryan was sleeping with when they, when Jen and Ryan were on a break. Tamara says that Ryan was sleeping with that girl while they were still dating, not when they were on a break. Um, and so it's like Jen is bottling everything up, up and Tamara's basically saying like, you left your entire family for a player. And Emily said, Emily's, even Emily's grandma, apparently, I don't know how Emily's grandma knows this, but Emily's like, yeah, my grandma even said he's a player. Like you just left your, you just uprooted your entire life for some player. Like, but she chooses to stay with him. So it's like, that's what it is, what it is. Like you can say, like as, as a friend, you can say whatever you want to say, but the person is going to do what they want to do. So what ends up happening is this happens so many times. And I'm sure like everyone has a situation like this where your friend is dating a shitty guy. They tell you all the shitty things that guy has done. You get mad at that guy, rightfully so. You want better for your friend. You don't want her to be with him because you know she deserves better. She decides to stay with him. And now the problem is you. Because you don't forget all that stuff. Like, you're not dating him. So you're not going to just, like, forget it all. And now you're like, why are you still with that guy? And she's like, well, that's what I want to be. And then it ends up happening that, like, the friendship breaks up because they decide to stay with that person. It's like it's like a whole a whole mess. But I'm pretty sure they're not friends currently, which I think is good for them. I don't think Tamara is being a very good friend to Jen. And I think Jen's, like, slowly figuring out that... She brought her on this show for a storyline, basically. So um, we'll see what the next episode brings us. Okay, next up is Real Housewives of New York. And I have to say, I am loving this reboot. It's so fresh. It 
it just works. I love all the women together. Like when I finished this episode, I was just like, I am really here for this. Like, I think this was such a good idea to revamp this. It's just working. And it's like, it's giving funny, but we've got good drama. Like, I don't know. There's just something about it. I am really enjoying it. So the ladies are on their cast trip to Anguilla. And this episode starts out. It's night one. Um, and Sai's describing her perfect vacation of just all this food. And I was like, wait, it's me. That's me. I just want like vac- your vacation. You just should be eating tons of good food. And Sai was all about that. And I was like, check. So they have dinner on the beach. And Uba's talking about how Africa doesn't have good PR and about like all the good places to go in Africa. And and um, then Jessel says this wife swap to kind of stir things up. So Jessel brings up this idea of a wife swap to kind of bring it back to Bryn hitting on Aaron's wa- Aaron's husband. Uba sides with Aaron on this. Um, or rather, not specifically Aaron, but she's like, I side with the married woman. So, like, if the married woman is uncomfortable, then what you did was wrong. Bryn ends up saying that she is sorry <laughs> at first, not for hitting on her husband, but she said she's sorry for saying that that party was boring. Then she finally apologizes for the whole thing. But Aaron still won't let it go. She's like... if. I felt like Sutton's track. Let the mouse go. Like, let the mouse go. Brynn wants an apology for even being accused of, like, trying to get with her husband. At this point, Sai calls over the waiter because she wants to order her food. She's hungry. She's a hungry girl. She is like me. And she calls the waiter over so they can order. And Aaron's, like, mad. She's like, we're not done talking. Like, Aaron's mad that Sai bringing over the waiter cuts into her fight. But they finally squash it and hug and they seem to be good. So then they can move on to the next fight, which is Jenna not wanting to fly in coach. And Jenna is basically just mad that she got caught. But Bryn calls her out and is like, basically like, you're not being vulnerable with us. And then the producers do this funny, like, alternate universe clip of, like, when is Jenna supposed to be vulnerable? And then, like, puts together these clips of, like, what would happen if she tried during these awkward moments. And it was funny. But so Jenna talks about being vulnerable. And then she ends up starting to cry. But she's fighting it. She doesn't want to, like, cry on camera. So she kind of brings it back to how her mom had Asperger's, which I don't think is a technical diagnosis anymore. Like, I think we're not supposed to use that. It's like you're autistic. You're just on the spectrum. But Jenna refers to it as her mom having Asperger's and how she just had zero emotion. And like Jenna learned that behavior. You know, that's what she grew up with, like showing no emotion. So that's what she's trying to work through as an adult is like not doing that, you know, letting her emotions come out and letting people see her vulnerable side. So then Jessel is talking about her growing up, but she of course is just going on and on all these random stories that like don't really flow. And it's like, tell us about you, not just all these random stories. Um, and then they're in like the sprinter van heading back and Aaron doesn't know what a WAP is. She doesn't know what it means, but she knows she doesn't like it. 
And at the end of it, it's like she still doesn't get it because she was like, I don't want my ass to be wet. And it's like, girl, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, so then it's the next morning. Uh, Uba's meditating, size, you know, taking pictures, filming her content. Um, then everyone's like sitting down for breakfast outside. Uba enters with her booty cheeks hanging out and she looked so good. Um, and then Jenna starts to cry because she's insecure about like being around all of these women who are gorgeous and she perceives them as like having, you know, perfect skin and all this, which I totally relate to. Like I would be so insecure if I had to be around those women. Um, and then Uber freaks out over like a hair being in the food somewhere, but I think they determined it wasn't like the staff. It was like, cause it was so windy where they were sitting that it was probably just one of the other ladies, like hair blew over into the food. Um, and then Sai opens up a little bit and part of this, I felt like, oh my gosh, I am Sai again talking about how she's just smothering her children with love, which is exactly what I do with my son. Like I give him a million kisses a day and tell him I love him and tell him how cute he is and how perfect his little face is. And I just can't help it. I just have to smother him. Um, but then Sai opens up about her mom and like how her mom um, was an alcoholic. And when she drank, she was an angry drunk. Um, and then she died. And they, all the women were crying and I was bawling too. She was telling the story about how her mom was in the hospital and basically it was time to take her off life support. And I guess like her mom always had this thing about her eyebrows being done. So Jessel, not Jessel, sorry. Sai went to the hospital and like did her mom's eyebrows and then they FaceTime people so that they could like say their goodbyes. And then, you know, she pulls to take her off life support and she dies and like all the other women crying is like what really got me like seeing their reaction and how emotional it was like made me emotional and then um <laughs> Sai says how her mom's ashes are just like in a grocery bag in her closet or like a shopping bag now I'm picturing like you usually get the ashes in a container of some sort Usually something nice, you know, um, it, it depends. But I, I'm i guessing that, like, whatever container the funeral home sent the ashes to her in is what's in the shopping bag. I can't imagine it's just, like, the ashes dumped into a shopping bag. At least I hope not. Um, but Uba is, like, so sweet during all of this. And, like, you can tell, like, Uba is a good friend. Um, and then Jessel calls Pavit and it was so cute because she was like saying how amazing it was and how relaxed she was and all this. And Pavit's like, all right, well, let me pack up the kids. I'll come. And she was like, no, do not mess with my peace. Like, do not come here. And I was like, yeah, I, I understand that. <laughs> like, let me be alone. Okay. So then they go to the beach and there's like a beach hut and they do this like photo shoot and they've got their own server for drinks and um Jenna comes but she has a cover up on of course because she doesn't want to just be in her bathing suit um and Aaron and Bran are talking about how they want to get Jessel like drunk and talk about her sex life to try and get her laid and then Uba and Jenna are basically 
acting like directors and having the other woman do this photo shoot on the beach. They take their tops off, but like the picture is of their backs, so you can't see their boobs. But the pics were actually good. Like I liked them. I, it was a vibe. And I just felt like Jenna's missing out. Like I, I just want her to let go of those insecurities and just get in the water and have fun and not worry about what her skin likes. So they go to lunch and it's like definitely island vibes. They have all this food. It's it looks great. Um, And then Brandon opens up about how she wants to be a mom and how she went to like freeze her eggs. And then she tells the story about how like embryos are more viable, which is true. Like they do say like you should um, freeze embryos versus just your eggs well, that only works like if you have sperm, right? So like if you're going to do it on your own and you just want to create embryos or maybe it's like you and your husband or your partner or whatever and you're not ready, you could freeze those. But I would say like the probably the majority of women who are freezing their eggs don't have a partner. That's why they are freezing them. So like how is she going to make embryos and she doesn't have sperm? So she tells the story about how they were like, well, are there any potential men like that you would want to make embryos with and how she was like going through her phone to see like if there are any potential guys. And Aaron just thinks that she's lying about this whole story. And so she calls Bryn out on it, which I appreciated that because at first she started like talking shit to Uba about it. And then she was like, hey, I think you're lying. Basically, she's like, that's a weird story. So I'm glad that Aaron just said it right then and there in front of Bryn. So it wasn't like a, oh my gosh, later we're going to have to like go back to this and all that. But Bryn's pissed, you know, that she said that and she's calling her a liar. And Aaron's like, oh, I was just kidding. And she apologizes. But like, I think she just said that to like, I think she realized like, okay, I can't, even if I think she's lying, this is not the topic that I can push on. And she just apologized. Um, but then like later that night they're the women are getting ready to go out and Bryn says she just wants to sit out this dinner. You know, she just wants to take some time to herself and she goes to talk to Erin and tell, let her know like, Hey, we're good, but I just need to kind of reset and go back to my room. And they have a nice talk and that they love each other and, you know, kind of work itself out. Um, so then we're on day three of the trip. Aaron's working out and Bryn brings her some celery juice and Aaron tells her about, um, like the conversation they had the night before at dinner, which Jessel was like telling a sob story. And it just felt like Jessel wants to have this story because all, like a lot of the other women have some sort of story that they've been talking about. And Aaron is feeling like Jessel's just trying to find something in her life that can she can turn into a sob story. So then it, at that at the dinner, it was Jessel versus Sai, and how Sai was like broken, homeless, and it's just like a a whole one up thing. Like I get it. Like if they really think like Jessel's just trying to create a story, but also. Sigh being like, okay, well, you only had $20. Well, I had negative dollars. Okay, well, it both are still bad. You know, it's not like just because someone doesn't have it worse than you doesn't mean that their feelings are not valid. So you have to be very delicate with how you respond to stuff like that. What Sai should like Sai should have responded with like, wow, that must have been so hard. 
I can totally relate to you because I also was just as poor, if not even more so. And I understand how hard that was. Like, um, I feel you and I validate you instead of being like, well, I was more broke than you were. It's just, it's not a good look, sigh. <laughs> um, then we find out that Uba recorded Jessel's snoring and Jessel's like, I do not snore. But Uba plays it and she's definitely snoring and it was funny. And and then Jessel tries to be like, well, it wasn't like a bad snore. It was kind of like a cute little snore. Um, so then they go, they go out on a boat and I just so badly wanted to be there. I want to be on that boat in the water, eating good food. Uba looked gorgeous. Jenna, of course, wears a sweatsuit because she doesn't want to be seen. Um, and then while the other ladies are in the water, Bryn hears out Jessel's side of the story. So she heard Aaron's version of what happened the night before with the stories and then Bran was like, well, let me see what Jessel has to say. <clears throat> and this whole time, Bran is like a hardcore hitting on Jenna. Um, it's, I don't know. It's just like a funny little aside. Like, they would be a weird couple, but it's funny to see Bran like catering to Jenna and like flirting with her. But then, like, they all kind of confront each other. And I like that's what one thing I like about this is they seem to address things pretty quickly if possible, which is great. Like just do it right in the moment. Let's get to the fight and keep it moving. So, um, Jessel tells Aaron, I think, or Cy that she's, oh yeah, it was with Aaron. Jessel tells Aaron, like, you're the queen of assumption. Um, you're projecting onto me. Jessel ends up screaming and, I don't think they really resolved anything, but they get off the boat and then they go to dinner. Um, Bryn is still flirting with Jenna and Jenna said that she would make Bryn sign a prenup as she should. Um, and then Bryn is teaching Jessel on how to give BJs and there's a creepy guy at the other table watching Bryn. Um, listen, that's not something she should have been like doing at a public restaurant, but that guy was super creepy sitting behind her. I was like, oh, and he had, they showed his face too. So he had to sign a release or, um, I don't think, here's what I think happens is I don't think you sign, you actually sign a release. They post signs outside of the restaurants or like whatever venue they're going to be at. They post a sign that says we will be filming for X, Y, Z. If you enter into this building, you are agreeing to be on camera. So like, that's how they kind of get around it. So then they go around the table and they tell like their most embarrassing story ever. So Bryn's story is that she put a tampon in her butt. <laughs> so it was like her first time wearing a tampon and she didn't know what hole to put it in. And it ended up being in her butt. <laughs> I don't, I'm not really sure how that happens, but okay. Jessel's is that she was in Cancun wearing a dress and she had her underwear on underneath it. And it was something about like there, she was at this grotto and there was a first level and a second level. And basically she slipped and went into the second level of this grotto and her bra comes up and she's basically topless in Cancun and everyone loved it. <laughs> um, and the women are all like dying, laughing. They're crying so hard at this story of Jessel. And I don't really understand why it wasn't like that embarrassing. I mean, okay, your tits were out. Okay, big deal. You're in Cancun. I'm, and I think it was like a spring break situation. Like there were probably a lot of boobs out. Like, okay. 
Jenna says she has a similar story where she's um, basically did like a slip and slide at this very expensive restaurant and Ralph finds fine. I forget how you say his name or no, it's his first name, Ray. It's, it's spelled Ralph, but I think you're supposed to pronounce it like Ray finds. Okay. He basically helps her up and it's like embarrassing that that happened. Um, size is that she shit herself during a track meet in high school. So she was like running and then the poop ended up coming out. Like, I think it was more of like a shark situation, like a little poop trickle. Um, Uba's is that she was dancing, um, at like a club or whatever and didn't realize that she had like toilet paper stuck to her shoe that like led all the way back to the bathroom. And this guy was chasing her to tell her. And she thought that the guy was like, chasing her down to be like you're so beautiful try to hit on her and he was like no you have toilet paper stuck to you and Aaron's story is that she was on a flight with her toddler who wouldn't stop crying and everyone else was like okay that's your most embarrassing like everyone's been there like every mom in America who's been on a plane has been there (laughs) so they get back to the house and Uba ends up leaving her phone like in the sprinter van And Aaron's, like, the last one getting out. And the driver's, like, oh, here's a phone. And Aaron's, like, okay, here, I'll get it. But earlier on the trip, Uba had pushed Aaron into the pool. And so Aaron is trying to get her revenge and push Uba back in. So now Uba has been, like, waiting for this to happen. Because she knew that Aaron was going to try and get her revenge. So she's been trying to avoid it. And Aaron is, like, dragging and dragging, trying to get Uba in the pool and cannot. It was so, like, awkward. And then Cy runs over and just pushes her right in. But Aaron's like, no, that's not good enough because I didn't get to push her. So Aaron decides that she's just going to, like, hold on to Uba's phone. And so it's, like, the end of the night and the women are getting ready for bed. And Uba realizes she doesn't have her phone. And she's looking all over the house for the phone and can't find it. Jessel and Cy are helping her, and then Cy ends up saying to Jessel, like, oh, I know Aaron has the phone. So Jessel, like, texts the group and is like, hey, do you have Uba's phone? And Aaron responds with, like, the thinking emoji, like, hmm, which is obviously a clear indication, like, okay, she has it. And so she gives the the phone back, but Uba is so mad at both Aaron and Sai because she's like, Aaron took my phone and Sai, you knew about it and no one told me. So she is like activated. But Aaron says in a confessional, it was really only like 45 minutes that she didn't have her phone. And as soon as she realized she didn't have it, like Aaron gave it back to her. So it's like, what's the big deal? Which I agree with. Like the reaction to this wasn't what it deserved however uba posted on her instagram this week that there was a lot that we didn't see that i think that they get into at the reunion so hopefully we'll get the full story but uba basically alludes to there was a lot of other things going on things that aaron maybe said or did that made her reaction to this situation amplified um aaron aaron says she's scared because uba's giving her the silent treatment which Aaron is definitely overreacting. Both of Uba is overreacting to Aaron holding on to her phone. And Aaron is overreacting to Uba's reaction, if that makes sense. So the episode ends where Uba gets in Aaron's face. Because what happens is, is Uba's just giving her the silent treatment. I don't know why Aaron thinks that's so scary. Like she's literally ignoring you. That's like best case scenario if someone is like pissed at you 
give them time to cool off. Aaron like steps out. They're like all kind of in the foyer, 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 foyer. Oh, I don't know. I don't know words apparently. Um, they're all like getting ready to leave the house and Aaron steps out of the room to like go grab something and she comes back and like the other women are gathering and they're trying to like, you know, get everyone to go. And Uba's like, oh, well, Aaron was just here. Like she should be right back. And Aaron hears Uba say her name and she's like, you better not be talking about me. Like, do not say my name. Uba did not say anything bad. All she said was, hey, Aaron just left. She should be right back. And then like we can go. So they start to get into it and Uba gets in Aaron's face and rips her sunglasses off and they argue and she's like, try me. And yeah, so we have to see the end of the fight next at the next episode. But it's just like an overreaction to an overreaction to an overreaction. Like each step of the way, it's like, okay, I agree with Aaron. Now I agree with Uba. Now I agree with Aaron. Now I agree with Uba. Like they both are in the right and they're both in the wrong. So it's just, it's just a mess. All right, now we'll move on to the ladies of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Hey, this episode starts out with Lisa and Meredith meeting up for a walk, but Meredith has on like these little heeled boots. I'm like, what, what are you wearing? Like, I get wanting to be stylish, but you couldn't find any stylish shoe uh, for walking. Like, okay. So they're catching up. Um, You know, they have not had a good friendship for a while now. Um, So they're trying to, you know, start the process of mending fences. So they're catching up and talking about their kids. Uh, Lisa's talking about how she's not going to get to see Jack for two years, which... I don't understand how the Mormon missions work. So I know that they have to go to like wherever they get stationed at for two years, but she won't get to see him for two years. Like can't Lisa go visit wherever she's at? But I I don't know. Anyway, they flash back to um, the hot mic moment when Lisa calls Meredith a garbage whore. And basically Lisa says the only people that I trust are in like she says it in this order. The only people I trust are anyone that has signed an NDA, my husband, and my lawyers. (laughs) Like, okay. So you're going to trust the people that have signed an NDA above your husband? Okay. Um, They end up both, like, apologizing, just kind of a blanket. Okay, let's just apologize for everything we've done in the past and, like, start fresh. So we'll see if that lasts. Heather and Whitney meet up at a hot springs and they have the same type of situation. Their friendship has not been good for a while, but they're trying to mend the fences and start fresh. Heather ends up tasting the water in the hot springs and says it tastes like buttered popcorn, but like you shouldn't be tasting that water, Heather. Um, And then Heather's talking about how she's not really friends with Angie K, even though they've known each other from high school and alludes to the fact that Angie peaked in high school. Um, We find out that, like, Heather also went on a mission similar to, like, what Jack is getting ready to do. Um, She made, like, death oaths with her friends and then, like, wore the Mormon garments. They're, like, these, like, kind of, like, um, long johns, basically. Like, you don't wear underwear. You wear these garments instead. Um, And then Heather is talking a lot about Jack 
Lisa's son going on a mission and like who he's going to be when he comes home because Lisa isn't a true Mormon. She converted, I think she was Jewish first and then converted to Mormonism um, when she met her husband. But I can tell you right now that Heather talking about Jack going on his mission, she's basically saying like, he's going to come home a different person. And like, Lisa isn't a true Mormon. So like Lisa drinks, but like Mormons aren't allowed to drink. So like, it's very likely that Jack's going to come home and be like extra Mormon. And Lisa's going to be like, wait, who are you? And then there's always the possibility that Jack is going to, you know, distance himself from his parents if they aren't living the same kind of lifestyle. And Heather's saying, like, I don't think Lisa's prepared for, like, who he's going to be when he comes home. But this, Heather talking about this is going to be a problem because she's stirring this up. And it's like, she's not wrong, but this is not her place to talk about. And once Lisa finds out that she is talking about it at all and saying this stuff, she's going to be pissed. Like, absolutely. Um, then Meredith is with her husband, Seth, and she's talking about how things are so much better in their marriage. So they decide to start a podcast. Like, okay, I'm not listening to that podcast. Just FYI. (laughs) Um, but Meredith is talking about how Trixie Mattel, who's like a huge drag queen, invited Meredith to her Trixie Motel, which is in Palm Springs, which is like this hot pink motel. It's just like a um a oh what's the word I'm thinking of like a oh my gosh I'm sorry I cannot think of like the word that I want to use but it's like a whole little thing you know um it's like a vibe like you go there to go to the Trixie motel it's not just like a random motel that you would stay in so Trixie invites Meredith and then Meredith is inviting the girls So then we get Angie with her family and we get some more background like her family. They own a hair salon. Her husband um, is a hairstylist like that's how they met. She's Greek, but she's talking about how she always neglects her husband. And then at this point, this is when I noticed that their dog has like purple fur. Like don't stop doing that. Do not dye your dog's fur. Like, no, I'm not a fan of that. Um, then we move on to Monica and her mom talking. And I realized that Monica sounds like Jess King to me. I was like, who does she sound like? And then I close my eyes. And to me, she sounds like Jess King. So anyway, she's talking about how she was raised through the Mormon church. And then she started this company that's like a baby swaddle and crib sheet business. Um, and so she had like, when she got divorced, she had to like start from scratch financially And how, you know, she doesn't have that much money. And she's, like, telling her mom. And at this point, her daughter um, has come in the room. And they're helping her, like, fold the baby swaddles for um, orders. And she's telling her mom and her daughter about this girl's trip. And she ends up crying because she said that she went to the Louis Vuitton store and bought a bag. Because she wants to have something nice around these women. But how she was saying, like, that's not who I am. But cut to social media and someone pointed out that they think that that bag is a fake anyway. I don't know. Um, I would have no idea because I'm not a fashionista. (laughs) But her daughter says like, you should not base your worth on how much money you have. And my favorite thing is when the kids of the housewives are like the voice of reason, which happens all of the time. Like that's my favorite thing when the kids come in and are like, no, why are you doing that? Like that's dumb. (laughs) So 
We find out that Monica doesn't know who her dad is other than that he's gay and he moved to Florida. <laughs> um, then we get a double date with Angie and Whitney and their husbands. And Angie's talking about how her 11-year-old sleeps in their bed, which no, 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 no. Um, I know that some people do that. I'm not judging that, but like at 11 year old, 11 years old, like your daughter should be sleeping in her bed. Like you are a married couple. Your like middle school age child should not be in the bed with you. Like I understand, you know, certain circumstances, your kids coming into your bed, needing an extra, needing some extra love and attention and all that. But this is like every night it's like she just sleeps in her bed every night like that should not be happening like why why are you doing that like why are you letting her do that like you need to work on that and transition her to her own bed like that's just weird to me I mean my son is only four and a half but he's never slept in our bed like that ever we tried to let him sleep one night and it didn't work out um after the night where I literally thought he was going to die that night when we got home, well, night, morning, I guess it was like five in the morning. We're like, okay, do you want to sleep in the big bed with mommy and daddy? He was all for it, but then he was being way too squirmy and then eventually asked to go to his own bed. Um, and there's, there's only one time that I have successfully slept in the same bed with him. Um, when we go up to my mother-in-law's house, um, I sleep in my husband's like childhood room and it's like a, a full bed. I think the bed's not like we can sleep in the bed together, but it's just not that comfortable. So normally when we go up and we visit my husband's family, we stay at my mother-in-law's house, me and my dog sleep in my husband's childhood room. My husband sleeps on like a couch in the upstairs living room. And then my son sleeps in like a pack and play in the office upstairs. So we're all on the same level sleeping, but in different rooms. Well, one time I tried to let him sleep in the bed with me um, because, and I think, I think we had our dog that night too. I forget. This is a while ago, but he tossed and turned so much and he fell off the bed twice. And so the second time I just left him on the floor and let him sleep there. Like he had pillows and a blanket. So he was fine. But um, when we came back from our European vacation that night when we got home, um, I did let him just sleep in the bed with me. But we were both and it was like super late when we got to bed and we were both just exhausted that we just passed out snuggling and our dog was not there, which helped because when the dog's in the bed too, she gets mad when my son rolls over or whatever. So that's the only night, the night we got back from our vacation, we both passed out just like snuggling and slept through the night. Other than that, it just doesn't work. So like he does not sleep in our bed. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Whitney, um, on this double date, Whitney brings up the girl's trip going to Trixie Motel and Angie's like, what girl's trip? Because she did not get invited. So Whitney's like, I'm going to stir the pot and I'm going to invite you. Like, do you want to come and be my plus one? And Angie says, sure. So Heather and Monica go shopping. And this is when Heather finds out that Monica knew Jen Shaw previously. And she's like, okay, well, I don't love that. But I'm going to. And, and the fact that Monica's friends with Angie K and Heather doesn't like Angie K, but she's, she's trying to give Monica a fair shot, like get to know her, her as herself, not who her friends are. 
So Heather says she hopes Angie isn't coming to Palm Springs because she doesn't like her. LOL, she's coming. <laughs> um, because last season, Angie's the one who said that, like, Jen and Heather were doing Barbie scissor kicks. <laughs> and Heather was not happy about that. So Monica's, like, opening up to Heather and tells her that she was excommunicated from, like, the Mormon church. And Heather's like, why? And she goes, oh, for fucking my brother-in-law. <laughs> for 18 months. She had to throw in there for 18 months. So, like I thought it was right that it was her, um, the, her husband's sister's husband. So, yeah, Monica's like, you thought you were a bad Mormon. Like, I'm a bad Mormon. <laughs> um, but Monica just comes, Monica ended up coming clean, but that's how she got excommunicated. But the brother-in-law didn't, of course, because like the woman gets punished, the man does not. And Heather's like, of course, like, let me guess, he didn't get any kind of repercussions. And she's like, no. So, but she's just being upfront about it and owning her part. And she's like, you know, if you own it, then someone can't weaponize it against you. Um, okay. So then Mary Cosby calls the Trixie Motel to figure out what, um, kind of food they serve and she's just being her walking comedy self like Mary's just ridiculous um so everyone shows up at the airport except for Whitney and Angie so Whitney decides to take a different flight like so that she can sneak Angie in um and the women are like that's weird she didn't come with us but Whitney and Angie show up and they end up getting there early so not only did Whitney take a different flight from all the other women, she got an earlier flight so that they could get there first, and she's bringing Angie. So they show up, and Trixie's there waiting for them, and um, we get to see, like, the motel, and it is just pink on pink on pink, like, pink threw up there. Then we go back to the airport where the rest of the women are, and after they got off their flight, they, you know, used the restroom, and at this point, Lisa loses a ring in the bathroom and they are searching and searching and searching and come to find out this ring is worth $60,000. Like, why are you even wearing a $60,000 ring while you're traveling to begin with? Like, what? Ugh. Monica references Sublime. She's like, girl, it's at the pawn shop now. And I'm just like loving Monica more and more as this goes on. But Lisa will not shut up about this ring. And the other women are just kind of over it. Um... And in confessional, Heather says, like, the most expensive thing that she's lost is her dignity, which I thought was funny. So they're, like, in the Sprinter van heading to Trixie Motel, and Lisa calls her jeweler to try and get a new ring already. But she's saying how the old one was sentimental. And it's like, oh, gosh, whatever. Um, then... So basically, this is all them in the Sprinter van. Whitney does admit that she is stirring the pot. Mary is mad because the women are, like, passing food over her and she doesn't like crumbs. Like, Mary only contributes this random shit throughout this episode. But basically, we're just building up to the women arriving and then finding out that the other girls are there. So that's where it ends is before the other women find out that Angie is there and that they got there early. So it should be interesting this next episode to see them meet up. And I know a lot of shenanigans are going to happen. All right, we are done with Housewives for the week. 
Next up is Southern Charm. Uh, we are back, baby. Woo, here we go. Okay, so Southern Charm starts off like a cold, like a cold open. You know, it's like we're not getting like previously on. It's just a cold open. And it starts with like production asking Taylor if her and Austin had sex. Then, like, we don't, I don't think they show her answer. It's just them asking her. And then we get them, then they go into, like, a mini preview of, like, what to expect from this season. And then when they get done with that, it cuts to two months earlier, you know? So they're trying to be super dramatic. So we're at Craig's house. There's lots of construction going on. Paige is there. He's building a pool and a hot tub. Um, and they are discussing the relationship and, like, moving But it's the same conversation that they've had just over and over again about, you know, Craig's in Charleston, Paige's in New York. Neither one of them really want to move. And so they're kind of just like stuck in the same place. And they are definitely not on the same page. Um, And then we get Madison making ramen noodles for her son. And it's in a super fancy bowl. I was like, ooh, I like it made me want ramen now. Like I haven't had ramen in so long, but I was like should I order some ramen? Like maybe I need some. Okay. Um, and it's like her new family unit with her husband, Brett. Um, listen, I don't agree with Madison, like politically and the stuff that she stands for, but that girl is absolutely stunning. And I loved her house. It was beautiful. Um, Austin and Craig FaceTime and just Austin is a mess. Like Austin is just a mess. There's no other way to describe it. He somehow gets invited to Madison's wedding party or it's like her wedding after party. So like they've been married. Now she's just like hosting a party afterwards. Um, and Austin and Craig are talking about how Austin's invited and he's going to go. And then we cut to Taylor and Olivia who are going rollerblading. And now they've become like breakup besties because Olivia and Austin broke up. Taylor and Shep broke up. So now the two of them have bonded and they're like best friends. Um, Taylor wants a man, but she dated Shep. We know she hooked up with Austin. And it's like, girl, like these men that you are choosing are not great. <laughs> And then apparently, like, after the breakups, Shep and Austin went to Australia. Um, And it's like, okay, I, listen, these adult men child, it's perfectly fine if they don't want to ever settle down. If they don't want to get married, if they don't want kids, if they just want to travel and party, that's fine. Like, if that's what they want, that's what they should do. But stop playing around with these women's emotions and, like, pretending like you're going to settle down. Pretending like you want to be with them. Like, you can continue to just find, like, women on Tinder to hook up with. Like, you don't need to pretend to have these relationships, like, if that's not what you want. Um, Olivia calls Austin a fun house where it's, like, on the outside, it looks like something fun that you want to go do. But when you get on the inside, everything's distorted and like messed up and scary. And then like you're running to get out of there, which I just thought was funny and accurate. Um, Vanita has a man. His name is Manny. So her man is Manny. I'm like happy for her. She's got a man. Um, And then the boys go shopping for new outfits. And at this point, I realized like we have seen these men shop a lot. Like, they go shopping a lot together, and, like, it's always on film. Like, I don't know. It's just funny to me. At the place that they're shopping, there's, like, a picture. It's, like, an 
an advertisement, I think, but it's an, um, a guy like from olden times that really looks like Austin, I guess. I don't know. It was weird. Um, and then production shows us Austin's like, um, boxers video clip where he's like, Madison, Madison. And you know, he's like pulling at his boxers. Like we've all seen it. You know, the clip I'm talking about, <laughs> um, And then I just had to make note that Craig always looks uncomfortable. Like, Craig looks like he's uncomfortable in his own skin. Like, he doesn't know how to, like, just be a person. I don't know. It's weird. So then we get to, like, Madison's party. So it's, like, at a fancy house, this party. And basically, this party was set up for production. Like, like, let's call it what it is. It's a very small party. It's mostly just people that film for the show. This is not like what her wedding party would be. You know what I mean? Like she would not have Austin like at her actual wedding party. This is just like their excuse to put together a party to get the cast together for the beginning of the season. And they're just using Madison's wedding as the excuse. So Austin creeps into the party and he says hi very awkwardly. And then he starts talking shit about Madison's husband. And it's like, okay, Austin, he is way better than you. What I have, I don't know anything about him other than like the five seconds I've seen him on my TV screen, but I can already tell you that he is better than you. So sit your Muppet ass down. Okay. Um, they took a three week honeymoon and awkward Austin strikes again with like talking about this. And it's just like, Oh, he's so awkward in these conversations trying to ask them about like their relationship. Anita, Anita, sorry, Vanita shows up and the color dress she was wearing was absolutely gorgeous and it looked amazing on her, but it's like one of my favorite colors. It was like a corally pinkish peachy color, I believe. Um, Leva is there and then Taylor and Olivia show up and of course, that's when Olivia realizes that Austin was there. And so it's like awkward again. Taylor obviously wants to get under Shep's skin. Taylor is still very like bitter about the breakup with Shep and Shep's cheating and all that. So you can tell that like she showed up and she's like, yeah, let me take my coat off. Let me show this like amazing dress and my like looking so good. Like, let me show this off. Austin's already drunk. So it's like, oh my gosh, this is, It's like a comedy of errors. Taylor, for some reason, thinks that it's a good idea to give Madison and Brett a wedding gift of a vibrator. Like, that was awkward and weird. Um, And then Shep and Taylor finally say hi to each other. So they're standing, like, at the bar, and it starts off with them just, like, talking very awkwardly. And then Olivia and Austin are talking. So it's like these two sets of broken-up couples are talking to each other. And then Craig's, like, over in the corner of their room, giggling like a little schoolgirl, watching the conversations. So, as you can imagine, the conversation does not end well. And Taylor and Austin, like, end up talking to each other, and they're finding comfort in each other about their situations. Taylor's talking about how Chep was... Oh, my gosh. Sorry. I've been talking too long. Taylor is talking about how Shep was cheating all the time. And Taylor is actually also mad at Craig because he didn't tell her about like the cheating that um, was brought up on the reunion, which I believe is the one where he was trying to get with one of the girls from Southern Hospitality. So one of the girls that works for Leva's restaurant. 
and um, he ends up laughing and like Craig is laughing about it. Chef might be laugh. Shep might be laughing too, but basically Craig is like gassing Shep up because he's pissed that Taylor brought up his name. So now like, you know, Craig's getting mad and trying to get Shep to get mad and Austin's trying to get Craig out of the party because Austin, I'll give him this. He like had the foresight to see like, okay, it's time for us to leave because if we stay any longer, things are going to go south. And that is exactly what happened. So Austin's trying to get a, get Craig away, but Craig won't shut up. And then Taylor starts making a scene and she's screaming about Shep's cheating. And Austin's pissed because he's like, damn it, I tried to leave before this happened and now we are stuck here. Shep laughs and now that just like sets Taylor off. She is fired up. She says... Austin is the only person who gave a shit. And if it wasn't for, oh, and then she's like, you, you know, she's yelling at Craig, like Austin's the only one who gave a shit. And Craig's like, listen, if it wasn't for me, Shep would have slept with that girl. Okay. I stopped him from sleeping with her. Now I wish I would have just let him. And Taylor was like, well, what if that was Paige? Like, what if Paige cheated on you? Like trying to make it seem like Paige did cheat on him, but like, I don't think that happened. And that's kind of where it ends. So it's like, this is just going to be a messy, messy season of people hooking up with each other and fighting. And I'm here for it because it's so low stakes to me because number one, Taylor, you're a dum-dum for thinking that you could even get into a relationship with Shep and it be successful. Like, no, girl, that's on you. Everyone knows who Shep is. You're not going to change him. If you think you are, that's on you. So first off, second off, Austin and Olivia were not even a real relationship. They were a relationship for the show so they could have a storyline. So it's like, who really cares? So I'm here for all the messiness because it's low stakes. It's not like, you know, whatever. Like, they're all going to move on eventually. Like, the like Olivia and Taylor, five to ten years from now, they're going to settle down with some, you know, random southern, you know, dude that they found and are going to have a family and this reality tv stuff will be in their past like they're going to be fine like no biggie okay last show of this episode we are here are you tired of listening to me yet (laughs) i'm tired of listening to myself as i talk but we have one more show to go we can do it last up is none other than sister wives okay so sister wives a beanbag chair. <laughs> We're starting off with a beanbag chair today. Uh, Christine has this big bean, beanbag chair um, that she's bringing over to Janelle's small apartment for her. And Christine talks about how the place that she lives at in Utah right now, her neighbor just left. And I think it's like a duplex is what I'm thinking. And so like they would share a wall potentially, but she wants Janelle to move to Utah and be her neighbor. Um, and so the scene is like Christine bringing over the beanbag chair for Janelle and they're in Janelle's apartment and Savannah is there and Savannah is Janelle's, um, high school daughter, like her daughter who's in high school. And this is when we find out that Cody has not spoken to Savannah in one and a half months. Can you imagine just not even speaking to your child for a month and a half? Your child who is in high school, like what? (sighs) 
And um, Cody says that he hasn't talked to them because Janelle kicked him out. But what? That doesn't make any sense because that literally just happened. And also, like, you haven't had a relationship with the boys. Like, that's not because Janelle kicked you out. Like, that just happened. Like, that's not... That's not a good excuse. And even if that is like the excuse, that doesn't mean that you don't talk to your kids. It's not your children's fault that you and your spouse are having issues. That's on you guys. You shouldn't not talk to your children because you're mad at your wife. Like, it's just nonsense. Um, Christine is upset because she feels like the kids are being neglected. And they are. Like, you should rightfully feel upset about that. okay then Robbie and Mary meet up and again they're sitting outside they're at Mary's house this time but they're sitting outside those two never film together inside it's so weird um Mary finds out that Isabel was in town so she finds out that like Isabel McKelty and Truly go over to Robin and Cody's house for um like a, a second Christmas and Mary didn't even know and she feels like Robin was just, like, trying to rub it in her face. Like, why would you tell me that? Like, I feel bad that I'm just not included in this stuff. Um, And when I just had to note that Robin's hair in her confessional, her curls look like what I, what my curls like when I try to do my hair. (laughs) So I just related to that. I'm like, why isn't no one just doing her hair for her? Like, it's clear she did it herself. Um, So then they're kind of just talking about how, like, when they went public um, and when Robin joined the family, like, that's kind of when things all fell apart. But basically, what they're saying is, like, it all fell apart when they started the show. Because around that time is also when Robin joined the family. So they had, like, all of these changes happening at once. But Janelle is basically not interested in the marriage anymore. Um, and she says, she's like, well, we probably still are married. And I'm like, what? Like, you're married until you get divorced. But I know, like, technically, they don't have, like, a legal marriage on paper. The only wife that Cody is legally married to is Robin. So, like, I think what Janelle's trying to say, like, is technically, I think, in the eyes of the church, we're still married. But she's like, I'm not interested in this marriage anymore. Um, And so then Mary's talking about this Christmas, like, early on. Um, when it was just Christine, like when it was just the three wives, Robin wasn't there yet. She's talking about this Christmas where Christine got all of these gifts, right? It was like Cody was overcompensating for something. Christine just got so many gifts and Mary got nothing. Literally, he ran like, I think Janelle was the one, either Janelle or Christine were like, what about Mary? And he's like, oh yeah. So he runs to his room and like grabs an old hoodie of his out of his closet and gives it to her as a present. It's like, what? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Cody says like, he doesn't remember that, but he's like, but that's where resentment can build. And it's like, yeah, you dumbass. Like you just got all these presents for Christine and you didn't get anything for Mary. And then you throw an old hoodie at her. Like, yeah, I think she's going to have some resentment over that. And you don't even remember that happening? Like, oh, this man. He's a monster, I tell ya. A monster. Okay. So uh, then Mary says, she's like, I have a secret. And I was like, ooh, what's the juicy secret? But then we find out that the secret is just that at one point, Mary started keeping track of when 
Cody was with her to prove that he was spending less time with her than the other wives. And Robin's like, oh, I did that too. So then we find out that there was like this one particular month that Cody was doing this test. Like no one knew that he was testing Christine. But basically, Christine was complaining that Cody didn't spend enough time with her. So Cody's like, well, ha, I'm going to spend a lot of time with her and prove that she's still going to complain even though I'm spending time with her. So he basically spends like 23 days out of this one month at Christine's house to prove that Christine was still going to be like upset with him. And it wasn't, didn't have to do with the amount of time he was spending there during that month. Robin admits that she was tracking the time that he was spending at Christine's house. And like, she's upset that out of this one month, he spent more time with Christine. Like girl, he spends all of his time with you. Like, what are you talking about? You're going to get mad that out of one month, out of this entire time over years and years and years, he spent more time with Christine when he has spent all of the time with you moving forward. Like, shut up sit down. You have no room to talk. Like you're getting zero sympathy. Like get out of here. Like, oh my gosh, she's so annoying. (sighs) Anyway, everyone agrees that like all the other time Cody's at Robin's house. Like he says it's because this is when they were in Vegas. He says he was at Robin's house so much in Vegas because he had an office there in his own garage. And even when he was there, Robin was complaining because he wasn't spending time with them like as a family. And it's like, this isn't a family. This is monogamy. You have a monogamous relationship with Robin, but you have these three other women who you're supposedly still married to. So Christine is like going in on Robin and, um, Basically, Cody's like, everyone needs to be nice to Robin. That's the only way that, like, you can be in Cody's good graces is if you are also a good sister wife to Robin. Um, let's see. Christine is, like, loving shit talking. Like, you can tell that she is so excited that now she gets to just let it all out. Talk Like, she loves when people want to talk shit about Cody and all this. And it's... It's, I love to see it. Like, give us more, Christine. Let it all out. Um, but Cody is a total hypocrite because he's saying, like, if you're a good sister wife to Robin, then I'll be a good husband to you. But that's not true. Mary did that. Mary has done, like, everything that he's asked for, but he still won't, like, accept her back. He still won't have sex with her, basically. He still won't have a marriage with Mary, even though she's doing like what he wants her to do. And it's like, get like, get over it, girl. Like, Robin is like desperate at this point to like get this family back. She's losing it. Like she is crying. She's sobbing Robin again. And it's like, listen, you're the reason that your family is falling apart is because the man that you're married to is a monster. That is the answer. You're going to get there one day. Like, I think she's going to realize it once all the women are fully gone and it's just the two of them. And then she's like, wait a second. This isn't what I wanted. (laughs) Okay. So then we're back at Christine's place and Aspen McKelty and McKelty's baby Avalon are there and Truly's there. And they're planning a 50th birthday party for Christine. 
Um, here's where she, where we find out that her celebrity crush is Shamar Moore. And it's like, yeah, girl, like that's every woman's celebrity crush. Like, okay, good for you. I'm glad Shamar Moore is way better than Cody Brown. <laughs> like, good for you. Um, but basically Christine's talking about how she's not inviting everyone. She's not inviting the crybabies. Um, and I, I don't think she should. It's her birthday party. Like invite who you want to invite. Um, then we get a scene of Mary in the car and it's like, TLC is like, we're not even sending a camera crew if it's just Mary. Mary, film yourself in your car, send us the footage and we'll be done with it. <laughs> um, but Mary's talking about how she's leaving to go to Utah to be at the B&B that she owns in Paraguay. And she knows that Robbie, Robbie, oh my gosh. She knows that Cody will not care at all because Cody does not give a shit about Mary. But Robin's going to be upset because Robin is like begging her to stay and she doesn't want her to leave. But she's like, why? Why does Robin even want her in there? Like Mary is providing nothing to this family. So Mary reiterates like, I am not leaving the family. I'm just leaving Arizona. I'm going to Utah. But like she knows that Cody has technically like already left her like Mary still being there is just completely irrelevant. She just needs to go. Like, at this point, Cody and Mary just need to have the official breakup conversation and she can leave the family. And then it's going to be just Cody and Robin. Like, it is just Cody and Robin. Christine has left. Janelle has left. Cody has basically left Mary. It's just Cody and Robin living in a monogamous relationship, pretending to live in polygamy. That is what is happening, so... That's where we end. I have talked far enough today. So I'm just going to go and say thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at lore.once.more. And I hope you have a great week. And I hope that your ears are not bleeding for listening to me talk for this long. But thank you so much. Bye.